Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. I want to welcome you to the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant, coast to coast and border to border, building the bridge to conversation right here over the mega airwaves of red state cl bryant show and hey folks you all can certainly uh hear us live right here every day on the C.L. Bryant Show. I uh, have a special treat for you today. He hadn't been on with me for a while. We've been missing each other. He's been mega busy. But I'm going to have on with me the president of Red State, Scott Adams. The Scott Adams Show is on with me, and he's going to talk to us about what he's doing. Uh, And, hey, I want to tell all you folks walking through Times Square there in New York City, look up above Ripley's Believe It or Not and every hour, right there on the Red State Talk billboard, the C.L. Bryant show does pop up there. And old C.L.'s face looking right back at you, along with old Scott Adams. He's looking at you, too. And many of the lineup on Red State. And uh, I've been gone. I'm back live today. Of course, the show is on live every day. If you don't get both hours of the show, be sure to download free the C.L. Bryant show app onto your favorite device. Go to the website, the C.L. Show.com and follow me on Twitter at Rev C L Bryant. Well, without any further ado, let's bring on Scott Adams. How are you, friend? Glad you're back with me. How you yeah, been? How are you? Doing really you good. You know your smile. <laughs> your uh, your radio stick is a first great first rate a class <laughs> thank you so much for that scott and uh, uh and you know this i've told you this many times i uh, do thank you for inviting me into the red state family right here on encore and uh, hey scott let's 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 jump into the conversation by uh talking about uh, uh the, the the president's tweets and so forth some people are calling saying they begin to be grating and and all of this on the nerve when he's uh engaging with these uh, four communist uh, uh, Congress, Congress women. What do you think? Give us your take on the president's method. Is it madness or what? What are you, what are you talking? What, what is he talking about there? Yeah, it's a trap. It's a, it's a, it's a method. It's a, there's a method to the madness. It's a trap. And he understands full well that he alone can't beat the media, but what he can do. And you and I talk about sports quite a bit. And one of the things I say a lot, you know, I wrestled, you boxed and one of the things is, is if I want to pull somebody by and throw them by, I'm first going to push them. So I'm going to push them 
knowing full well they're going to push me back. And what I'm going to do is then toss them by. I'm going to use their power and energy because I might not be stronger than my opponent. Trump by himself, one man, cannot beat the media alone. But what he can do is exactly what the terrorists are doing, exactly what China is doing, exactly what our adversaries who hate Trump around the world are doing, which is basically playing up to the media, knowing full well that the Jake Tappers and Chris Comos and, and a lot of these uh, Rachel Maddows of the world will behave like a Pavlovian dog. You know, basically... You stick a piece of meat in front of them, and they're going to foam at the mouth, and they're going to have that reaction. It's just who they are. So Trump understood that if he's going to do X, he could expect Y, you know? So he pushes, knowing full well they're going to push back in exactly the way that they do, and then he sets the trap. And in this case, if you look at his initial tweets his initial tweet didn't even mention a person's gender, race, or color, or anything like that. It just mentioned Democrats who hate Israel and America ought to go back from what, to where they came from. Then, as the onion started to peel, it started to get more specific as to who he was talking about. And in a lot of ways, I think he wanted to draw attention to Ilhan Omar. Why? Because just like what happened to Avenatti, you had Brian Stelter on there saying, well, I respect you, man. Uh, uh, Avenatti's uh, great. Avenatti 2020. Then Avenatti became, instead of Avenatti 2020, it became Avenatti 2020 to 20 to 25 years of life. <laughs> right? I mean, so it was no longer Avenatti 2020. It was Avenatti 20 to 25 years. And... You know, Avenatti just showed up at a briefing uh, Friday, I think it was, and gave a press announcement about Stormy Daniels. Guess what? Nobody cares. The only press that was there was one person in the room. They panned out the crowd, and there was Avenatti in a room with empty seats. Wow. Well, you know, I'm going to go back and take a look at that uh, because that was powerful. You know, Scott, uh, both of us, folks, uh, full disclosure, both of us, Scott and I, have competed uh, in our, our various sports when we were younger. Uh, men still love both of the sports. Scott was a wrestler. I was a, a boxer. And uh, Scott alluded to a tactic that is used. Many times you use uh, what appears to be an opponent's strength against them and you turn it into your strength. Trump is a counter pop, a puncher. We're that in, we use that in boxing uh, and uh, Scott has used leverage in wrestling to throw an opponent off balance and then get the upper hand. When we talk about Mueller, do you think that uh, Mueller has overplayed his hand and has Trump is the president going to be able to make some hay out of uh, what the Dems are doing with uh, Bob Mueller? Well, Bob Mueller already overplayed his hand. He overplayed his hand where a federal judge just over the weekend, it was reported by the Washington Times, uh, sides with the Russian company. The Russian company is Concord, and um, there's another company too, uh, but Concord and Consulting LLC both decided to stand up to Mueller. And when they did, uh, they were being accused unfairly of meddling in our elections with regard to uh, I Internet trolling. And they pushed back, and sure enough, the judge reprimanded Robert Mueller for not having any facts, not having any evidence, not having any proof. You know, there's a lot to be said about that Mueller case, okay, because Ilhan Omar, by the way, she's going to be exposed, you know, for uh, the, the, the oddities related to her different marriages and her status here in our country. 
And some people would even argue that, um, you know, that Trump was setting the trap even with Epstein because Trump was uh, on film at CPAC in 2015, February 2000, before he announced, February 2015, said Bill Clinton was going to be in big trouble over Epstein. Well, then when he became president, he actually looked into the Epstein thing. Now, keep in mind that Epstein was uh, released with easy, easy 13-month sentence back under the Bush years. Then, eight years, he was allowed to walk, walk the streets. Where is he now today? No bail in a jail, right? Right. So there's there's Epstein, and a lot of people look at Nexium, and a lot of people look at these other cases, right? Like Nexium, Backpage.com, Harvey Weinstein, all all these stories were swept under the rug. Even Jesse Smollett, all of them were swept under the rug because the media didn't want to cover them. But what did the media do with Epstein? They covered it. Why? Because he had Acosta. Some people would argue that Trump was so far ahead of the curve on that. The part of the reason why he hired Acosta was because knowing full well that Epstein was eventually going to be caught up with and that they were going to want to put a spotlight on that story. Only that story is going to come back to backfire on them. And you take a look at Mueller to answer your question. You take a look at Mueller and you've got this situation going on where you have a chain of custody violation with CrowdStrike and the DNC server. So it's going to draw into question, how in the world did you get those 12 indictments for those Russian officials for hacking when you didn't even have a report from CrowdStrike that you looked at? And then how can you actually say that Seth Rich was a botched robbery? How could you say that when you didn't even ask Ellen Ratner, who actually met with Julian Assange, who told them that Seth Rich was the informant and the leaker, and Ed Butowski, and that case is actually being litigated right now. You know, the Ed Butowski case with Ellen Ratner? Yeah. You know what we're talking about there, right? Yeah, yeah, See yeah, how? yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so there's all these cases that are blowing up in their faces. And once again, the media only covers what they want to do. And Trump understands that. Trump understands that the media only lives and breathes if they can actually hang a noose around Trump's neck. And there and so is he, no noose, folks. There is no noose to be hung around his neck, even though they have fashioned nooses over and over and over. And what, let, me, let me say this, Scott. Let me, let's talk about this, because um, you and I uh, can, can look at this from a perspective that uh, many times uh, need to be talked about but has not been talked about, and that's this race issue. Now, full disclosure, uh, Scott Adams is uh, Native American. Uh, his father is a full-blood Native American Indian, and the, the, the word racist is being batted around a lot. And going back to Omar, Ilian, uh, no, Omar, uh, from Mogadishu, Somalia, the country embraced her, brought her into this country, fed, housed, closed her family. Uh, she got a great education. Now she's sitting in the House of Representatives, and she seems to be ungrateful. My family came over here. Half of them came over here on uh, slave ships. The other half came from somewhere in, in Scotland uh, and, and, uh, and Ireland. But, uh, Scott, your folks were here. Let's talk about the race issue. Uh, when we look at the benefits of being an American, I don't care if you're a Native American, African American, uh, all those hyphenated Americans. Scott, is it uh, is there a certain uh, uh, a twinge or, or, or trend of ingratitude when someone like Omar comes to this country and the only thing they can uh, uh, tout or talk about? 
are the negatives of America. Give us your take on that from if you could speak in your father's voice. Talk to us like that. And I'll try to speak from my father's perspective. Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is the word gratitude. And they're just ungrateful. Um, but in the case of Ilhan Omar, she has everything to be grateful for. She has everything to be thankful for. You know, um, that they're calling Trump a racist for uh, his crowd chanting for 10 seconds or 13 seconds, you know, send her back. They did it. You know, those same people that were chanting that at that rally, it was organic. It was uncontrollable. It happened for about 10 to 13 seconds. And they were there were kids. There were uh, people of color there that were saying these things and they were having fun. It was a rally with about, I don't know, 50,000 people totally outside and inside. Um, but it was a huge rally. And those same people were the same people that paid their taxes that actually uh, where the money went to Somalia for aid and comfort, that paid for the processing of the uh, asylum request and the you know refugee uh, processing, and actually paid for the system with their tax dollars and respect her position and her right to speak and her right to seek higher office and power in, in America. Nobody's ever questioning those things. So these same people that were chanting those things were basically doing it in light of, the, of a rally, a political rally. You know, it's okay for, for example, for Hillary Clinton to say deplorable, xenophobe, you know, all these things. Well, you know, it just so happens that Donald Trump won an Ellis Island Award because of his racial harmony. He won, uh, he's mar he was married to two different immigrants, uh, Ivana and uh, Melania. And so when you think about it, you know, it does, just doesn't make any sense. Black unemployment is where, you know, the best ever. Uh, Hispanic unemployment is the best ever. So there is a lack of gratitude there. But uh, there's a lot more to that story, by the way, the Ilhan Omar story. And once again, it's the mainstream media that's covering it up. And my only grievance is, you know, be grateful for what you got. I don't care whether you have a liberal bent or a conservative bent, but don't try to make America Somalia just because our capitalism allowed us to be able to afford your socialist ideas doesn't mean that they'll work. It just Absolutely. means that right now we can afford them thanks to the way America has been and should be in, in the future. Absolutely. Scott, uh, there's a phenomenon, I do, do believe, that is Donald John Trump. How do you explain a non-politico in 2019 with the politically charged atmosphere that Hillary and, o and Obama uh, created? How do you explain the phenomenon of a businessman coming along and shaking it up the way he he has. He promised that he would. He's done practically everything that he talked about doing on the campaign trail. Uh, even the uh, establishment Republicans, I think, are standing in awe of his achievements. Has America been waiting for this? Have they? Are they? Are we ready uh, for a second term of DJT, Donald John Trump? Yeah, we're desperate for it. We are desperately craving uh, to get back to. Uh, American values and the, the values that made America great, harmonious, that made America the melting pot that it is. I mean, if anyone should really have a grievance, it's the Native American Indians, you know. Um, but actually, actually uh, every Native American Indian I know actually celebrates Thanksgiving. 
you know, even though that would probably be the uh, the the holiday you don't want to, if you're a Native American, you don't want to support, right? But I celebrate Thanksgiving. You know, I don't have that chip on my shoulder. I've moved on, right? I understand that maybe my dad, who was spent the first four years of his life, he was born in '37. My dad, first four years of his life, he lived in a boxcar, okay? But he made something of himself. Nobody gave him a thing. And he was discriminated against growing up in a country that was his to begin with. And yet he never had that chip on his shoulder. He was a conservative his whole life. It's really not about skin color, and you know that. It's about political ideology. Every black person that's a conservative that I know doesn't call themselves a victim because even though you may have your ancestors sisters were victims, it doesn't pay off, does it? When you consider wake up every day and you call yourself a victim, that's not the way to get ahead in life. The way to get ahead in life is to have hope and confidence that today is the beginning of the rest of your life and that you need to pull up your bootstraps and be the best you you can be. Absolutely. And that's also honoring the people that have given their life for your freedom as well. You need to respect that and you need to have gratitude. If you live every day with gratitude for those who have given their life for you, and I'm talking about the soldiers, I'm talking about the law enforcement, I'm talking about the people that make your life better. And if you could get up every day with, uh, with a Christian attitude, a grat- an attitude of gratitude, huh? That's that's more than half the battle right there. Absolutely it is. We're on with Scott Adams, the Scott Adams Show. When we come back after this short break, uh, we're going to tell you how to get in touch with him. And, hey, Scott, we have launched a few speaking engagements uh, for guests on this show. I know that in your heart of hearts, you want to get out there on the trail and uh, let your voice be heard at various uh, venues like churches and universities as well as civic organizations and folks we can we're going to show you how to get in touch with scott adams when we return with more of the cl Bryant show you're listening coast to coast and border to border over red state talk radio be sure to download free the cl Bryant show app onto your favorite device if you don't get both hours of the show you be sure to get them want to thank all of the terrestrial stations who replay the show uh, on a daily basis and we want to thank you for that and i also want to say to you folks that we certainly appreciate you coming along with us daily from 1205 in the east until 2 p.m as we build this bridge to conversation it all begins with you. And to you folks who want to advertise out there, we're going to tell you also how you can get your name, your face on the Red State Talk billboard there in Times Square, just like OCL's is. And coming soon, we're going to talk about this, uh, uh, FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks.org. Uh, we're we're going to uh, find a way to get that done here in September. And also, if you have a small business, a big business, whoever you are, you need to advertise with us. I'm CL. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in just a couple seconds.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. each and every one of you for coming along with us as we build the bridge to conversation right here over the airwaves of Red State Talk Radio. On with me is the president of Red State Talk. His name, Scott Adams, Scott Adams Show. Scott, tell everybody how to hear your show and how to get in touch with you and what's going on with Red State. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, ScottAdamsShow.com is the website. And we have the Red State Player on there. We have the Scott Adams Show live feed. We're syndicated across the country. And we do a uh, live show on Red State only, which is 8 to 9. And then we have uh, 9 to 12 live across the country syndicated in city after city. Uh, We ended up actually taking over a lot of Laura Ingram's spots. And we were asked by some radio stations in Philly and elsewhere to uh, take over some of those spots. And we were happy, more than happy and obliged to do it. So uh, we we took on the challenge of a three-hour show. We were only one hour for a long time, and then now we're three hours every day. And uh, we love it. We have a great time sharing the message. And I think we're making a difference. You know, it's it's really important that we have alternative conservative radio that can speak truth and bring, you know, truth to power. And uh, tell a narrative that's different than than uh, the the mainstream media. You know, the mainstream media is very radically left. And if you look at CNN and MSNBC, it's really pretty bad. And even Fox News and the Drudge Report have shifted. You go to the Drudge Report, it's almost like a left wing rag now. So it's it's concerning. And you wonder why that is really because when you put the two ideologies up against each other. I just think that the conservative ideology is so much better than what the socialists are standing for today, the Democrat Party, which is open borders, sanctuary cities, higher taxes, abolishing ICE, uh, Green New Deal, which would cost over $100 trillion over 10 years. We don't have that kind of money. Offering free education and free health care for illegals, giving them ID and a right to vote and impact our elections. And then the same people that are complaining about that are actually complaining about Russian meddling because they spent $140,000 on Facebook ads. But yet they, they don't have a problem when it comes to something like Google, which was just recently reported, uh, actually has a impact on elections where they said 2.4 to 10.6 million people could have shifted over to Hillary Clinton because of what Google did, and they estimate that it could be as bad as 15 million votes could be steered 
to the Democrats if Google has their way with their algorithms. That is significant impact on the outcome of an election. Indeed, that is, folks. And uh, this Russian thing, if Trump got uh, two or three more, if the 22nd Amendment was abolished and Trump uh, was still president five years from uh, or, or uh, eight years from now, uh, I tell you, the, the Russian investigation would probably still be going on if the Dems had their way. Scott, let's talk about uh, the Iranians here for a minute, shifting gears. Uh, they seem to be totally out of their mind. What is their motivation? Uh, are they really uh, just simply tweaking the nose of the tiger? Are they trying uh, to draw us into something that they know that if they get themselves slapped around, maybe they get some benefits out of it? What what type of loony hand are they are they playing? Talk to us about it. Nailed it. You just nailed it. You hit the nail on the head right there. Boom. You must be a carpenter. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, that's exactly it. Because right now the trajectory is really bad for them. And we have sanctions cracking down. They are shutting their mouth off with 3.7% uh, enriched uranium, then 4.5. Well, anything above, I think, 3.7 is a violation of the JCPOA. So already you have the European Union. They're desperate. They need to do business with Iran. So they didn't uh, partner with us with our pullout of the JCPOA. And what they did was they wrapped themselves around the integrity cloth that says a deal's a deal. We struck this deal. We're not going to violate the contract. Okay, fine. So we sanctioned them on our own. Then Iran made the mistake of pounding their chest and acting like that they were going rogue. And they were basically trying to threaten Europe. But what it did was it, caught, it put Europe in a bind because now Iran's in violation of the JCPOA which means that Europe can't hide behind the contract. So that meant that Europe was going to have to actually follow the letter of the contract, which means if Iran violates, no longer can they uh, uh, not honor the sanctions. They need to go along and partner with the United States. So Iran made that first mistake. Then they started to become pirates, pirating these oil tankers. And what they're trying to do in the shooting down our drone, and what they're trying to do is draw us in. And it's going to be people like, Lindsey Graham that are going to be troublesome for the president because just when, you know, Trump wanted to pull out of Syria, Lindsey Graham wanted to, you know, advocate that we stay there. And just when, you know, Trump uh, was doing more business with Saudi Arabia to create a balance of power structure in the Middle East, Lindsey Graham, uh, you know, wrapped his wrapped a bow around Khashoggi, this journalist that got murdered who was an anti-American who cheered when 9-11 happened. And Khashoggi became this like poster boy for journalism integrity and we got to honor the journalists and all this. And that meant, you know, do away with our partnership with Saudi Arabia, which we wouldn't even be in bed with Saudi Arabia right now if it wasn't for the Iran deal in the first place. But because there was this inequity of power shift, we had to balance the power in order to make it so Iran didn't have everything right so we created this balance and we struck up a great new military contract with saudi arabia they worked out with us on opec pricing keeping prices down which had a negative impact on iran and then we sanctioned iran and now the uk is now being directly attacked uh, all bets are off so iran is going to do everything they can to pull us into a war 
so that the mainstream media who will be played in this, again, you can count on the mainstream media to hate Trump over anything else. And what they'll do is they'll say, would we be in this war? Would we have this conflict? Would we have these problems in the Middle East if it wasn't for the Trump pulling out of the JCPOA and sanctioning Iran? And they'll blame Trump for it in an election year to win an election. And that's what this is all about. I mean, you nailed it when you said, are they trying to draw us in? And they are. And people with ignorant foreign policy ideas like Lindsey Graham would be the first one to step into that trap and make that mistake. Absolutely. And uh, that's that's the problem here that I see. And so I don't think Trump is going to take that bait. I think he's going to be very pragmatic about this thing. And he's going to create an alliance and this alliance is going to involve the United Kingdom and some other European partners to uh, really crack down with Iran. I think at some point, Iran will come to the table. But keep in mind that we're dealing with Zarif. And Zarif is a socialist. And he's, he's an angry man. And he's good friends with John Kerry. And he's good friends with Barack Obama. And again, if you think Trump has a tough time dealing with Obama or Nancy Pelosi or, or Chuck Schumer, he has just as much of a trouble with Zarif. These are just different ideologies like oil and water that are clashing against each other. And a deal will probably never be made given the leadership that's currently in Iran. We're going to keep a close eye on that, folks. There is no doubt about it. Uh, shifting gears again, Scott, let me ask you then about the 22 dwarfs, 23 or 55 dwarfs who are running against Trump right now uh, for the Democrat nomination. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Warren, the usual suspects. I don't see one uh, that would not take us back to the Obama days and uh, uh, the, the misery that we enjoyed under uh, restrictions on and uh, regulations on business in America. America's booming. It's open for business, as the president said. Uh, do you see any what what is Joe Biden? One percent Joe's motivation is Kamala Harris uh, going to try and bring out the long knife again next week in the debate? Uh, how do you see that thing shaping out? I see the whole Democrat Party, especially with uh, Nancy trying to save face with the uh, scoundrels uh, for uh, taking her on. How do you see that thing shaking up? Are they imploding over there on the left? Yeah, but I'm not concerned about the uh, group that we see. I have one concern, and it's not even really related to your It's It's a little off your question, but I'm going to um, give you this one. And that is that um, I have a fear of their ticket and the ticket that I fear the most from them would be an ideology ticket an identity politics, uh, not an ideology ticket, an identity politics ticket because president Trump received more black vote than McCain, McCain and Romney combined. Now, obviously that's in large part because Obama was on the ticket. So Obama really gobbled up a lot of the black vote and uh, but when you take a look at what Trump did, Trump got more black vote than McCain and Mitt Romney combined. I read this report and I was shocked to see that. Now, here's the thing. They realize that Trump is doing pretty well with the black vote, with the black unemployment being as low as it is, uh, with the pardons of Alicia, jo Alicia Johnson and um, Jack Johnson, the boxer yeah. and the post, post um, mortem 
and uh, post postulus and uh, the uh, other one right now, like he's got Kanye West on his side. He's working on behalf of Atlas uh, ASAP Rocky. Right. Yeah. This rapper. Yeah. So he's got some street cred in the game. He's got endorsements from J- James Jim Brown and a lot of other great black leaders in America. Uh, he's loved by a lot of really cool black people. And you got the Blexit. You got Candace Owens. You got a whole lot of things in play that weren't in play before. And I really think that Trump has a lot of strength within the black community. He just got an endorsement from uh, the BET, uh, Bob Johnson? Is yeah, that his Bob name? Johnson, chair, chairman of BET, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he just got a great endorsement there. That's huge, right? So, I mean, the, the point is is that they're worried about the black vote. And what I, I'm going to predict right now, and I've predicted it on my show, that the ticket that they're going to come up with is the person who I think performed the best in the last debate and probably will perform well again, and that is Elizabeth Warren. And I think that Elizabeth Warren's stock has gone up even though I think she's crazy, right? I mean, you know, we can talk about her issues all day long, but she ties in nicely with that radical far left. She re bring, brings back the glass ceiling, which is, again, an identity politic thing. So she's the woman. She's going to bring back the glass ceiling. Then you're going to bring back Cory Booker's, Mr. Spartacus. He's going to lose all of those crazy thoughts. He's going to go to the gym. He's going to straighten himself up. He's going to try to, be good. And what he's going to do is he's going to be the VP guy. So you're going to have Elizabeth Warren as the main part of the ticket. And you're going to have the token black person on that Democrat ticket. And that will be Cory Booker. And that would be a tough ticket to beat because you would get you would hurt Trump with his black vote that he needs. And you would get that black vote. You get that glass ceiling vote. And again, the I, it sounds so shallow to say this. But the Democrats don't have any issue or policy that could beat the Republicans. And they only talk about racism and xenophobia. And they only talk about open borders and socialism and, you know, single payer health care and all this, that and the other. So they're socialists. So this ticket is a ticket that would be very, very difficult and challenging. And that would be the woman glass ceiling and the black vote. That identity politic that they would be playing playing to. You know, I can actually see that because both of them are indeed savvy politicians. Both of them have been around a while. And to the uninformed voter, uh, their message of emotionalism and, of course, the politics of identity uh, could certainly play and it could play very loudly. Uh, That's interesting. I have not heard uh, that scenario before. And hey, folks, that means that you should keep your eye out in this next debate to see if they form an alliance, uh, Booker and Warren, if they form an alliance, because if you see that alliance began to form, then you may just realize that the uh, prediction that Scott Nostradamus Adams has just uh, brought to the airwaves uh, very well could uh, be taking shape. And hey, it could be formidable as far as that is concerned. Scott got about four minutes well, left in this. They go after each other, CL, in the next debates, uh, even if they're on the same stage. I think, I don't know if Warren's going to be on the, the second night or the first night. Uh, they might, by design, keep them separated. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. So Elizabeth Warren right now, her stock is rising to the point where if you go back to the North Carolina rally, 
Trump did bring up Warren as the only one, you know, because he was making fun of everybody else, right? Buttigieg, and he was talking about all these different crazy thoughts. Beto fell like a rock, whatever. But then, you know, when he talked about Biden as a big nothing burger, I mean, they would love to run against Biden, wouldn't they? Oh, my. But it's not going to be Biden. It's going to be Warren and Booker. And he even said, well, Warren's come back. I think we brought out the Pocahontas thing too early. Remember he said that? I think we brought that out too early. Well, maybe we should need to dust that off and bring it back out again. But he's going to have to come up with some new wrinkles against Warren. And I'm sure that there's a lot of stuff that he has on Warren. Her, her tenure with the CF, uh, you know, um, Mick Mulvaney was the chair of the CFPB, uh, the, the, the banking um, central fund, something like that. The regulatory uh, uh organization that's part of the government that oversees banks right and uh, she was head of that and again she did she made a lot of decisions there that were not good for banks so but we'll see because again the uninformed voter is going to be uh impressed by the identity of it all and not necessarily the policies. Absolutely. And, uh, hey, when we come back, folks, uh, Scott got about uh, two minutes left in this segment. We're on with Scott Adam. I want you to stay with me through the break uh, here, if you can, Scott. Uh, we're going to continue this conversation because uh, I want to talk to Scott about then what happens to Joe Biden on uh, debate night. Will he be slaughtered on stage as Julius Caesar was in the eyes of March? Uh, by uh, those who uh, he really thought uh, might have his back. But the 22 coming out and running, even though Biden did enter the race uh, after they did, I think the long knives comes out and he becomes irrelevant. He only got 1% of uh, any type of voting in any uh, primaries that he has run in in the past. And I, I just think that Trump would trounce him if, in fact, he were the nominee. He'd be the dream uh, to run against Donald John Trump, although Scott Adams has just brought up a very interesting scenario as far as Elizabeth Warren, uh, Pocahontas, running against running with Spartacus, uh, Cory Booker and the uninformed voter. That would be a diabolical combination for the underinformed voter because, hey, folks, it would be a visual. It'd be a visual that America loves to see a white woman, black guy representing the underprivileged, underserved, the victims of the world, taking us back to a date and time in the 50s, the 60s and the 70s, where emotionalism was the order of the day for the injustices that were done by those old white men back when they had slaves. Scott Adams is my special guest here today. Day. Scott Adams show. You can catch him every day here on Red State uh, Talk at 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. Um, on uh, Eastern here on Red State. And we're going to return with more conversation when we come back. Building the bridge to conversation right here on the C.L. Bryant Show daily. 12.05 until 2 p.m. in the East. And I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with us as we build that bridge. We can't do it without you. And remember, politics and your government begins at your kitchen table. You I'll be right back. Worth so you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. It's a great day in the USA, and it's all because of people like you who come along with us daily as we build the bridge to conversation right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. My special guest today is Scott Adams, president of my flagship, our flagship station, Red State, Red State Talk Radio. Scott, before we go any further with our conversation, tell the folks one more time how they can get a hold of you and hear your words daily. ScottAdamsShow.com. And uh, what you'll hear when you uh, listen to the Scott Adams Show is we talk a lot about uh, things like Seth Rich and Epstein at the Deep State, the Mueller hoax, uh, Russian meddling. That is the narrative. I mean, there's so much going on in that, that those areas that are just interesting. And, uh, you know, CL, when you don't have Russian meddling, you don't have uh, the crossfire. You don't. The Russian meddling is the narrative. That is the narrative. Yeah. That is the um, that the Russian meddling is the insurance policy. Yeah. And that narrative is the insurance policy because without it, you don't have the unintentional consequence of crossfire. And if you don't have that, then you basically aren't guilty of intentionally committing election fraud, and you don't have intentional treason. All you have is patriots defending America against Russia, and the Russian meddling narrative covers that. Well, right now, kind Scott, of, let's slip that. down then to the um, to the southern border. I mean, because if you let 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 the, let the progressive liberals tell it, uh, the Russians are sending the the uh, Hondurans and everybody everybody across the border, and the Mexicans and the Guatemalans across the border at our southern border. I mean, if you let let the progressive liberals tell their story, uh, but now let's let's look at this. I want to ask you about this because uh, this is something that really bothers me. Just got back from a North Carolina tour over these last few days, and uh, of course back live here with you uh, today. But Scott, uh, I'm hearing uh, all of this stuff about uh, how we have the homeless uh, and uh, on uh, the streets of Los Angeles and, and San Francisco and other places around the, our country and how um, they, they're not receiving medical attention. But yet we're housing at our southern border thousands of non-citizens when citizens of this country are going 
going without when when babies with American mamas are not being fed, uh, if you want to believe that, and uh, you uh, are feeding, and our border agents are changing the diapers of illegal alien kids. Scott, uh, just how loony is all of this, and how is it that the, the, the progressive liberals are not being labeled absolute hypocrites for supporting uh, uh, funding, uh, feeding all of these non-citizens when we have American citizens who have difficulties uh, that, that are being that are not being tended to. Speak to that. Well, I can tell you that the drug uh, organizations, the uh, drug cartels, have great lobbyists. They actually are very organized. You know, you could talk about Operation Cassandra and its attack on Hezbollah. You could talk about the poppy seed fields in Afghanistan. But one of the things that those drug trafficking and weapons trafficking uh, channels needs is open borders. And they have lobbyists that pay off. You know, when El Chapo was in court in New York just recently, there was sworn testimony. A woman was on the stand, and she said that Nieto, the former president of Mexico, the guy that was preceded uh, uh, AMLO, yeah. Lopez uh, Obrador, yeah. and he received $100 million, according to his uh, sworn testimony, $100 million to release El Chapo. And that's how he escaped. He escaped through tunnels. And again, these borders, in a lot of ways, are being opened up for a lot of different reasons. Human trafficking, uh, corporations want the cheap labor. You know, there was a bakery out of Chicago that, uh, that where ICE got 800 people. And those jobs were then uh, sent over, you know, back to where they came from, right? And they were underpaying them, slave labor. The same party that advocates $15 an hour was okay with these people getting exploited for slave labor. Now, who's filled those bakery spots? A lot of minorities in Chicago filled those minimum wage job spots and are now back at work, uh, taking jobs that belong to them that were being confiscated by illegals. So the open borders is a very well-organized thing. Uh, where you have lobbyists that front the cartels, that front the uh, sex trade and human traffickers, and uh, drug trafficking and weapons trafficking. All of these things are being done in the name of uh, pay-to-play. A lot of palm greasing, a lot of money changing hands. A lot of people getting rich very quick. You remember all those beds? Wayfair was going to send all those beds down to a Catholic Charities kind of organization. Yeah. You know, a lot. there's a lot of money in this. You know, a lot of people don't want to think about it, but, you know, there's a lot of money in war. And people like Lindsey Graham have profited from it, you know, where they get these military contracts and a lot of palm greasing goes on. You know, who's going to get the contract? Oh, my brother-in-law, right? You know, so there's a lot of different things that go on where war is money, uh, gold is money, open borders is money, drugs are money, sex trade is money, and it's a filthy, dirty business. But yeah. it's being done, and open borders is what makes most of it possible. Possible. That's why these globalists love it. That's why the globalists love the European Union. No more borders. No more checkpoints. Just open flow of whatever it is that they need to trade. And the same, they want the same thing here in our hemisphere. We've never had it before. We shouldn't have it given our landscape, but that's what they're pushing. 
That's why they're pushing open borders. It has nothing to do with human rights. And it doesn't, folks. It does not. And Bernie Sanders is proof of that. I hear that Bernie is actually cutting uh, uh, hours of his staffers so that he can pay them $15 an hour, living up to what he is preaching. But yet it is a blueprint for what every other company would have to do in order to keep their employees as well if they paid them $15 an hour. Scott, you did not mention Bernie Sanders. Do we stick a fork in him? Is he done? Is he? Is it over for him? Has uh, his time come and gone? Talk to us. Yeah, no, I, I say he is definitely the professor of the Socialist 101 class, where if you raise the salary to $15 an hour, you're going to cut hours. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's only a fixed amount of budget that you can have. And so he just taught us all a lesson, didn't he? Professor Bernie um, in that in that class. Uh, that's Socialism 101 right there. And, and if, if it's not less hours, uh, then then what is it? It's going to be automation. So either way, you know, the socialists don't have answers for all these things. They talk about, you know, manufactured crises along the border. They talk about uh, drones working better than walls, except for the fact that drones don't go in the rain, the wind or the sandstorms. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you know, there's so many walls in the arguments that they make. It's just so easy to debate. But uh, they continue to do it anyway, and they continue to have the media carry their water. And if the media says it enough, it becomes like what Nancy Pelosi described as being the wrap-up smear. But, yeah, uh, Bernie Sanders is dead as disco. He's, let me, uh, he's dead as disco. I like that. And let me ask you this, man. Uh, final question. We have about uh, five minutes left before the top of the hour. Uh, let me ask you this then. Speaking of one and done, dead as disco, if we, uh, uh, how about Cortez, Omar, Presley, and uh, um, uh, Tlaib? Are they also one and done? Uh, will they, are they going to face the ire of the American people? Uh, is their money going to be poured in to t- kick them out? What do you see? Mm. Well, that's what, the, that's what they were hoping for, but I think that they understood that. They're actually smart enough to know that they were going to get in, they were going to exploit. Like, I think that Nancy Pelosi wanted Crowley out. And, and so he, she, she uh, did a casting call and got Ocasio-Cortez. Brainless as she was, she was able to pull off that win, and they financed that campaign. They, did a lot of, they had a lot of pros working with her. And they made that happen. They got Crowley out. Crowley was the third in, in charge. And he probably would have been the next Speaker of the House uh, if he stayed in power because he had all those New York delegates. But that didn't happen. And Ocasio-Cortez came in. So they, they, they sold themselves to the devil because, for, for a host of reasons. But it's coming back to haunt them. I actually think that Ilhan Omar is going to cost the next Democrat presidential candidate, Minnesota because of the way she's representing Minnesota. And, and, and I also think that Rashid Tlaib is going to definitely call, you know, ensure Michigan goes to Trump. And uh, you know, so I think that Trump is going to pick up a lot of states that he, he lost. He lost Minnesota. He lost Nevada. He lost New Mexico. I think that those states go to Trump. Colorado. Colorado's not doing well either right now. Um, there's a lot of problems in Colorado. So, I, you know, in Virginia, you got the Mr. Infanticide, right? And you have a whole bunch of things happening 
to where I think Trump is going to flip a lot of states. What Trump has done with opioids uh, is going to have a strong impact in a state he barely lost in New Hampshire. So, I mean, I think Trump is going to win the landslide. But um, they, they, they made a play, and they played different cards for different reasons. In a lot of these ways, I think that these kids knew that they were being played, but they uh, tried to be as popular as they possibly can so that even if the Democrats defund them, they could still win based on their own popularity. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Scott Adams, Scott Adams Show, 8 a.m. daily right here over Red State Talk Radio. He is nationally syndicated throughout the country. You be sure to tune him in. Hey, man, it is always a pleasure to have you on. And as we uh, move forward toward the presidential election, you know that we've got to talk uh, much more often than we do. Continue to fight the good fight. I know that you will because you are fighting the good fight. Hey, man, thank you for again for inviting me into the Red State family, and I do appreciate uh, you being on with me again today. Thank you, and hey, we'll talk to you real soon, Scott. Thanks, C.L. Thanks for all you do. Take care. I'm C.L. This is the C.L. Bryan Show, and I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with us daily as we build the bridge to conversation right here on the C.L. Bryan Show. Much more coming up after the top of the hour uh, because, uh, hey, there's there's a lot of things we got to talk about, folks. Um, there are some things shaping up as far as uh, immigration. Uh, this debate that's coming up, it's going to be uh, tell the tale uh, as to how the Dems are going to play their hands. The progressive liberal agenda is going to play out. You heard Scott Adams say, and I do believe that uh, he's accurate on that, that Bernie Sanders, the professor of socialism who brought um, uh, made the, the playing field uh, palatable for a Cortez, Tlaib, Omar and Presley to come about. And we also need to talk about how Nancy Pelosi did in fact fashion uh, the demise of of uh, uh, one candidate in order to bring about another candidate that she was hoping would spare her as Speaker of the House. And so there's a Frankenstein monster that has been brought to bear on the American political landscape by the progressive liberals. We're just here to try and educate you as to what to look out for. There's something that Scott brought up that I do want to talk about, and that is that Warren Cory Booker ticket. Uh, you know, I know that the politics of identity is, in fact, a hot topic in this country, particularly for those who are uninformed. Don't go anywhere. We have to engage and discover and talk about those things when the C.L. Bryant show returns. Timely, credible, thoughtful discussion without the partisan outrage. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.